0: Hello and welcome to episode 6 of And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. My name's Stuart Moraine and this week I was joined by Tom Stewart, he of That Comics Smell podcast, uh, to discuss the film 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, without any further ado, I shall pass you back over to past Tom and past me and roll the theme music. Hello, Tom. Hey, dude. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yourself?
1: Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad in the slightest.
0: Also, I feel like we've spoken recently, but... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of
1: deja vu, to be honest. But, you know, the uh, the times they are ever changing and all that jazz.
0: They are indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so this time, or I'm not sure which way order I'm going to release these in yet, but anyway, <laughs> for this one... <laughs> uh, We're talking about a film, a film you've picked that was kind of in reaction to John Tucker's slaying of Lost in Translation.
1: Yeah, this, uh, this heathen, this absolute devil comes on the airwaves through my ears and just rips Lost in Translation and says not to even bother. (laughs) How dare he? How dare he? No, in all Fairness, he's probably right. To be honest, but
0: um... <laughs> no, again, like um... I said to John, I've not gone back and rewatched it for about ten years. So...
1: <laughs> do you know, i watched it. The only reason I was I was so offended at the time is because I watched it not long ago, and although it does have its problems, um, much like a lot of these kind of hipstery sort of love story type films do, um, they they're they're all very much like the films of their time kind of thing when they come yeah. out. They, they have a sort of two or three year period where they're like very much in the zeitgeist. And then after that it's like, mm, it's not an age.
0: Um <laughs> said, it dates them so quickly, doesn't it? They're so relevant at the time that a couple yeah. years later they're like, that's so fucking out of date.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I think the thing we lost in translation that get that always gets me is that there's there's so many points within that film that are just extremely poignant to grown up and grown older and still kind of feeling like you're still this kind of lost adolescent kind of thing
0: yeah I mean uh, I remember being blown away by Bill Murray in that film that probably yes. still stands yeah. you know he's, he's fucking Bill Murray even yeah. when Bill Murray's phoning it in he's great
1: <laughs> yeah it's do you know what the killer is for me in that film and I always think about it and why I'll never talk it down and I, I do hold it in quite high such high regard is the bit when he's Singing More Than This by Brian Ferry and Roxy Music on the karaoke. It's not the best sung version of Roxy Music. I mean, Murray's very much a a sort of blues and jazz singer. It doesn't have to be a sort of modicum of talent. It just goes with the emotion. But that's the thing. He gets so much emotion just in that song. And he's turning to Scarlett Johansson and looking at her. And she's realizing, like, you know, there isn't really anything more than this. Like we've really got to kind of live within that moment, sort of thing. And it sounds really hippie-ish and hipsterish in that moment. Because straight after that that's the bit when they're sitting out in the hallway that's all lit blue and she's got that pink wig on and they're having a yeah. cigarette and stuff like that. You know, it's it's very much those set up sort of almost Wes Anderson-esque vignette kind of bits. But I just adore it man. It's so much a it's so High intensity emotion at that point, and that's what I love about those kind of films. But it's funny because those films are a kind of genre within themselves—the sort of hipster esque films. I mean,
0: the, you've got the hipster twee.
1: Oh <laughs> fuck, man! I made a put it this way: I made a list, right, of the ones that I could name out of my collection, Uh <laughs> just to give, just to even just kind of hammer it home, home to John a wee bit more. Uh, <laughs> This is the nail in the coffin for me and his friendship, probably. (laughs) Um, So, like, Adventureland, Lost in Translation, uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, Silver Linings Playbook, Ruby Sparks, Perks of Being a Wallflower, uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, uh, Don John, to an extent. Yep. Uh, Enough Said, Garden State, fucking hell, the, the pinnacle of all of them. Uh, the Last Kiss, uh, Girl Next Door, In Search of the Midnight Kiss. I'm telling you, mate, this keeps going. Juno. <laughs> uh, what if Juno is a big one? Juno is usually like the number one hipster of all hipster fucking films that everybody goes on yeah, about.
0: I think that was the film that broke me. That film was so fucking hipster.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, Whip it to an extent. Um, I don't know if it's maybe just because it's still got Ellen Page in it at a sort of youngish age. Um, Most of Wes Anderson's back catalogue, if not all of it. Um, Your Sister's Sister, uh, Her, uh, Happy Thank You More, Please, Little Miss Sunshine, High Fidelity, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, Lars and the Real Girl, Safety Not Guaranteed, Paper Hearts, Once, uh, the Before Trilogy, so Sunrise, Sunset, and oh my god.
0: Midnight's the third one.
1: Midnight, yeah, yeah. And uh, Meet Earl on the Dying Girl. Fucking hell, that's almost left me breathless.
0: <laughs> to be fair, you've named a lot of films that I loved or love.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I adore them. But to be fair, they all share traits. And They're all that
0: indie, like 2000s indie. Yeah. Thing, even though they were made by studios, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, well, the, one that, the one that probably hooked me into it, first of all, was actually um, Crazy Beautiful with Kirsten Dunst and... Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, the guy from Hostel. I can't remember his name. Um, But, oh, my God. I I remember watching that as a kid on Channel 4, and I I must have watched it another 16 times because it was playing on the movie channels at that point. It was just ridiculous. Like, totally (laughs) fell for it. And, yeah, it's just... It's just young love, but from a total hipster, like loads of scenes with no talking sort of thing, and just like scenery and uh, voiceover, and oh, somebody's got a problem, and uh, you know, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose you at some point in this film, but I'm gonna get you back at some point, and it's all a bit quirky, all this kind of stuff. They're all kind of like that, but,
0: but man, I love to them. talk about none of those films,
1: none <laughs> of those things whatsoever, because the one that I think tops all of them about every single one is five hundred days of summer. <laughs> it is the king, the piece de resistance, if you say. Um
0: so, yeah. and to be clear up front, this is not a love podcast. This is a podcast about love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. The one the the one line that throughout that whole film I still sat and was like, Yeah but they're gonna end up together, right? Like <laughs> come on like come on it's got it's got to happen right oh man that...
0: i saw that at the cinema in 2009 and i absolutely fucking loved it yeah i, I got home i ordered the same actually no i got the track the next day because i was working at agent b but soundtrack. i was thinking about the film all the way home because i walked like the fucking 10 miles home from the cinema that
1: day <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: and um yeah, I loved it, and I was counting down the days till it came out. I paid twenty quid for the Blu-ray because I wanted it that bad. Oof. All other Blu-rays were fifteen quid; that one was twenty. But I was like, "I've got to have it on day of release." Jeez.
1: No, I um, I I watched that um, just on a, on an off chance. I stuck it on sort of in between films at one point, um, and I was sitting with two other people, and they fell asleep almost right at the very start of the film. So it was just me that was sitting watching it. And I never took my eyes off of that screen. Now, bearing in mind, I was probably roughly, maybe just a wee bit younger than the protagonist. Well, <laughs> protagonist per se, the main, the main character. Uh, we'll see. Um, and also, I shared the name with the main <laughs> character. You know, you know, Tom Hansen. So I'm, I'm sitting, going, "Fucking Tom, man." And the whole way through that film at that kind of age and that kind of time and the shitty little kid that I was with relationships and lost in fucking hopeless romantic stage, but not really just being a bit of a dick, to be honest, um, I sat and watched that film and related to every last minute of it. And my first four years of loving that film, I came away with the, the um, decision that summer was a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> and I came away from it being like, "What a cow?"
0: It doesn't help that the Jenny Bradford, or whatever her name is, card that comes up at the beginning then is followed by bitch.
1: Yeah, exactly. And how fucking problematic now is that? When you watch it, you're like, "Jesus, what a bitter little asshole!" Like,
0: I, I watched an interview with him today. He's, you know, he's yeah. <laughs> Mark it's when... very much like, yeah, it is based on my relationship with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I am. Um... Because
0: apparently she unfriended him on Facebook straight after seeing the film. So. <laughs> Fucking
1: hell! I like, I adore that film, and it's funny because in prep for coming on, not that I needed to, because I, I know it back to front. I mean, I could watch that whole film just, just by way of the soundtrack, like you were saying. Because um, the soundtrack goes in order, it comes up in the film as well. Yeah, but I, I can I can visualise that entire film, and I can quote shitloads of it um, from back to front. I mean, I absolutely love it. But I watched it in prep for coming on, and I tell you, there is a lot of stuff in it—not just the content of the story, but there is a lot about it that is actually really fucking problematic. Now, I mean, there is actually a lot of like very homophobic.
0: Yeah, I was. I rewatched it earlier because it was a film I loved when I watched it at the cinema Of in a weird way for a long time uh-huh. after High Fidelity. High Fidelity is my go-to film. I yeah. absolutely love High Fidelity and I was always looking for the next High Fidelity kind of thing. That film yeah. that I engaged with and that was this film and then I just sort of fell out of love with it a little bit. At a certain point, like I'd watch catch bits of it on telling me, kind of uh, did I really like this film? And I rewatched it today, and I really fucking loved it again. Yeah,
1: same, exactly, but same. I you. think
0: I've reached the point with it where I thought I'd outgrown the film, but now it sort of makes me nostalgic for a time in my life before I'd even seen the film. Oh, when I was in that fucking relationship.
1: You are speaking my language right there. Yeah, big
0: time. Because yeah, I had a girlfriend right. like that that I projected myself onto what I thought a relationship should be, which yep. is very much what Tom does in the film. Yep. Uh, which, you know, I didn't necessarily read first time because I was like, yeah, I had a relationship like that and she was a bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I don't think anybody that's ever seen that film, uh, like guy wise, like most, most females that I know, funnily enough, not my other half, um, but most females that I know watch that film and come away with, like, well, he's a fucking tool. Yeah. And most guys I know come away with like, oh, she's an absolute asshole. How dare she
0: lead him on? You're like, she didn't know.
1: No, like, she's no
0: point. Same as the film when it's like, you know, this is a film about love, but it's not a love story. Yep. It's telling you up front that this relationship isn't going to last the same way that Summer tells him up front. Yep. This relationship isn't going to last.
1: And it's funny how your blinkers are on from the very, very start. Because you've seen that couple at the very start holding hands, and you've you've seen them sitting on that bench looking out, and they're all ve- both very neatly dressed and everything. You just assume
0: this is the reconciliation.
1: Yeah, and it, but even that, it still fucking tells you like, I've got to tell you up front, this is not a love story. And you still go, fucking yeah, love story. Here we go. It's like yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: you're just misleading me.
1: <laughs> yeah. And even throughout the film, when it's skipping back and forward, you can see he's destroyed. It opens with him smashing plates because he was broken <laughs> up with. You know what I mean? And yet you're still like, nah, they're going to end up together. 100%. Like, That's because
0: Ma- everything we've learned from watching romantic comedies is that you have the big breakup and you get back together.
1: Yeah, and it's it's that whole thing as well. Mark Webb is either an absolute genius who wrote a film and did a film Whose whole plot and everything is meant to be scrutinised and picked over and seen from different angles, or is just happened by accident? And he literally wrote a film that was about his his bitter perspective on a relationship.
0: <laughs> I it, because the guy, it wasn't Mark who wrote it, was it? It was two other people.
1: I think I he had names. He not have, I thought he had co writing he um, might have
0: a story credit, but
1: right. Okay, no, so it's else, Michael that... Weber
0: and um, Scott New Standard? Oh, All right. Okay. Because Stan... okay. Standard... it's Scott surname I just murdered, who um, is the author's note at the beginning. Right. Okay. Because I always thought, I thought it was a Mark it's... Webb wrote it, yeah. but I think he was heavily involved with developing it, so and kept them on set from what I read and that. Yeah. So they were heavily involved throughout. So it had that author one voice kind of thing
1: yeah i get i I get a bit annoyed by like the little blurb on the back though because it actually starts off with an in this anti-romantic comedy yeah but i don't think it is an anti-romantic comedy no i think the whole point of a romantic comedy is that there is romance in it and that it's funny like there is it doesn't necessarily say roman like rom-com doesn't have the implication that there's going to be a relationship at the end of it. No. Um, so I, I always get so annoyed. There's loads of bits about it and loads of critiques about it that really fuck me off. Also because I'm just like elated with it. Like I love the film. Full stop. Sitting like you said, sitting watching that the other night, I was sitting thinking, "Fuck, man!" Like I, I invested so much time into this film that. It's it's like coming back to an old record or something, or looking at old photographs and being like, "Fuck, that's you know that was a good time." You know what I mean? But much like Tom, maybe you're only remembering the good bits.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> well, I mean that's what it's like. It's a bit like um, you mentioned it before, high fidelity with the Charlie character. Yeah, when he never realised how awful she actually is. <laughs> yeah, because he was just so enamoured with it. And that's not to say that Summer is awful. Summer's played, in a because it's all told from Tom's point of view, Summer's almost a non-character. Yeah. Because she's very much his projection of what she'd be, to the point where at the end, when you see the bit in the copy room again, where they had the kiss earlier, and it plays out differently. Yeah. And then you start to be like, was that relationship ever as romantic as it actually seemed?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because even the second time you see her go to take his hand in Ikea, that's more of a I feel like I should hold his hand gesture rather than a I've got to hold his hand, sort of thing.
1: It's funny that's the other <clears throat> that's the other aspect in which is kind of prob- problematic is that she's just kind of the sub to him, kind of thing.
0: But she is, but like the writer said, and I kind of get on board with it as problematic as it is, is that he just didn't. It's told from that side of view because that's the side of the relationship he knew. He wouldn't have any clue what was going on in her head.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It almost, in a way, it almost makes you want to see what it would have been like from her perspective
0: yeah because he said that people have told him he needs to write that and he's like i wouldn't have a fucking clue yeah i
1: know exactly
0: if, and, even and, if, even unless if, jenny yeah. from the blurb at the beginning is a writer and can write the other side of it yeah exactly
1: even if he went and asked her and then outlined something it would just be totally it wouldn't work you know i mean it
0: wouldn't, it wouldn't well be no because like he said it's like tom would barely be in it yeah exactly because exactly. S- summer was more of part of his life than he was of hers yeah it's even
1: like the narrator comes over at bits, like like that bit when he, there's the bit when he goes back to her apartment for the first time, and uh, it, it's, it's sort of the narrator being like, and you know this is where he, he felt privileged because this is where most people didn't end up. Um, Tom was now in. That's it. He was behind summer. the wall. Yeah, he's in the the summer's The curtain down, sort of thing. It was summer wanting him there, and you're like, that narrator is even. Um, sort of calling your bluff in a way he's he's he is tom in a way because that's tom's thoughts but that's not summer's thoughts summer's thoughts are it's just someone in my house like i was,
0: i didn't catch it until sort of like the third time but when she's telling him the thing she's like oh i've never told anybody else that yeah and then he says you know i must be really special for her to have told me that yes it's, like, it's not about you dude
1: exactly <laughs> he's like oh well i'm not just i'm not just someone then i'm like
0: fuck off. (laughs) Because the relationship doesn't really seem to start to deteriorate until he makes her put a label on it. Exactly. Exactly. When he
1: completely loses his cool. But at the same point, in the same same breath, to be fair, at that bit, he he has kind of got a point when he's saying like shower sex yeah. and kissing in the copy room and fucking going out for dinner and all this kind of stuff. He's like, you know, this is what fucking couples do. And it's what he said. He doesn't actually say, we're in a relationship, damn it. He just says, and I say we're a couple, damn it.
0: Yeah.
1: And goes away, like, the wording's picked really, really well. Um, But, fuck, it's, we're kind of we're kind of dove right in. But, yeah, the, the story is ostensibly... Mm-hmm is Tom falling? Tom Hansen falling in love with Summerfin and their relationship for 181 days or something like that. Um, and then every other day after that where he's got thoughts or he sees her or he emails her or he sees her at a wedding or everything like that, but it's all jumbled up. So we're That's interspersed it. with those fucking title cards that change colour depending on what type of year it is. Yeah. Um, which is fucking beautiful. There are so many visual aspects of that film that are just gorgeous. Absolutely the, gorgeous.
0: The whole visual aspect of him leaving, I mean, we'll come back to it, but we leaving the party that he go, she invites him to at the end.
1: Oh, expectations. When his world and reality. falls
0: apart and just the world turns to a drawing and then that drawing's rubbed out and it's just left with his silhouette.
1: We have that like,
0: frame. That world he built just fucking crumbles at that yep. point.
1: Yep. We have that in a frame upstairs. Nice. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. It's we've because it's that kind of rubbed out way, and you see just the outlines of everything. Fucking beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
0: But fuck it, we might as well talk about now that whole reality expectations thing. We yeah, I definitely and probably still do to a certain degree, but put less stock in it. Play out a scenario in my head of what something will be like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely whether it's then, meeting up with
0: a mate for a drink or whatever.
1: Yep. I I do I do it with cons a lot of the time. I do. Yeah, so if I'm going to go even as a punter, I have an a, a, an expectation in my head of who I'm going to speak to, what kind of conversations we're going to have, what kind of stuff they're going to have with them, like how the place is going to look even though I've never seen it, stuff like that. Like and then the reality of of it is just totally different. <laughs> Like at least aspects of his were kind of the same, like where she opened the paper or where they were sitting having a conversation or stuff like that. But like, I love
0: that the the reality lags slightly behind the expectation.
1: Yeah, like he's
0: like, I can get up these stairs, a piece of piss. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, and that's where it starts to lag, where he's even had trouble getting up the stairs.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Oh, see when he comes in and like. She kind of, she kind of gives them like a sort of peck on the cheek and gives him like a hug and stuff, and then it comes to reality, and she just kind of looks off to the side like that really distant hug. I'm like,
0: oh, it's like that. Oh. Why the fuck did I invite this guy? Yeah.
1: Oh fuck! I knew inviting him was a bad idea. And then he gives her the book. Just like fuck's sake.
0: That's that thing when, when I when I rewatched it earlier, I was like, don't say you'll go to that party. Nothing good's gonna come from it. No, don't say you'll go for coffee with her on the train. Just be like, no, I've got my book. I'm going to read that. Cheers.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But I know in that position, if it was with that person that I was in that relationship with at that time, I would have done that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I would have been like, "We're going
0: to get back together now."
1: Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's it very much plays on that thing of like, and it's funny because people know how that situation pans out in real life. Yeah, we all know how that pans out. We all know that ends badly. We all know that ends up with you going away, fucking on your own, or rejecting her advances, sort of thing. But still, in that film, you still don't see it coming. You're still going like, "No, nah, it'll be fine." <laughs> <laughs> you, the amount of times I see that, I've seen that movie is unreal. I think it's like, if not the, it's at least the second sort of most watched film I've ever, I've, I've ever seen. And um, yeah, and, and yet every time, there's still a little bit of me is hoping that it all works out in the end, and he ends up with her. And then I think, well, that that wouldn't work out then, because they would both just end up fucking miserable.
0: That's it, and everybody tells him it's not going to work out.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Even his
0: sister's like, just because she likes the same shit as you doesn't mean she's the one for you.
1: Oh, that that line is amazing as well. Because how many times have how many times have you done that? How many times have you seen a girl? Or even 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 a friend, a potential friend. Um, you've started to notice that you're into sort of the same stuff, and you just instantaneously jump to best friend or girlfriend.
0: I remember the girlfriend that, for want of a better term, we will call her my summer. <laughs> um, I remember taking her home to meet my dad and stepmom. And my stepmom being like, "Yeah, she's really nice, but she's not into you. You know, her life plan is not the same as your life plan." Uh... And I was like, "Fuck off." <laughs> I was like, we're totally going to be together forever. Jeez. And and yeah, and I made the same sort of mistakes Tom made. And, you know, I proposed when I shouldn't have, and she felt awkward and said yes. Oh, man. And I was like, I'm only fucking 19. I shouldn't have done that. Yep. Uh, I've I've been there, my friend. That's what killed it, is that, you know, I put a label on what shouldn't have been anything more than a summer relationship.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And, it's... it's
0: But and then when I, you know, looked back at it through the rose-tinted glasses of, it's some clearly something she did. There's something I'm doing that was wrong, but I don't know what because you know I'm awesome, because everything I learned about love I learned from watching romantic comedies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the that's the crux of it, isn't it? That that most of us that are into these sort of films and stuff like that, I think we've we've made the huge mistake, like Tom, of. Taken away the wrong aspect from romantic films and learning. It's it's, it's a fine
0: line between being the hero in a romantic comedy and being a fucking stalker.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, you can stand John
0: Cusack style outside somebody's (laughs) window with a boombox. That's just going to get you arrested, my friend.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You could just, um, it's also that fine line of just being a dickhead as well.
0: Um, Cause he's Which, really. I, I'm fully aware that I was a dickhead. And he's <laughs> kind of watching this film, like, I say, it makes me nostalgic a little bit to that sort of time. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I was just like that though.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is a he is a massive dickhead. I was I was kind of watching it, being like, fuck, he's horrible to his friends. Yeah. His friends do not like. He he doesn't deserve his mates at all in any way, shape, or form. His mates are standing by him at every turn, and asking him if he's all right and. Making sure he's, you know, he's getting to places and stuff like that. The only time one of his mates drops him, and he's fucking right to do it too, is when um, his mate ditches him on the train and says yeah, he's not the not going. <laughs> yeah, and he even then he's just making a kind of wee joke about it. Whereas all the other stuff, Tom is just criticizing them, and what just because they've got a bit of their lives together. You know what I mean? Like,
0: is a what's it? Um, Spencer from criminal minds he's constantly yeah. writing him about the fact he's been with the same woman since junior high or whatever it was
1: yeah and it's like yeah because the two of them are clearly in love
0: <laughs> he's got that amazing bit in that sort of documentary segment that's in the yes. sort of middle where he's like you know well oh, my fantasy girl would be like that and it's like no my actual wife is nothing like that but she's better because she's real
1: yeah exactly yeah, he's, and it's kind he, of that
0: high, again bringing it back to high fidelity because I think Annie Hall high fidelity and this film are like a perfect trilogy yes If you're going to do a little mini marathon of like uh,
1: the same sort of
0: thing. Annie Hall is just 500 days of summer. It is, yeah, because it's an asshole projecting himself onto a girl that doesn't want (laughs) Yeah,
1: but we won't we won't go down the Woody Allen route, to be fair.
0: (laughs) See, I will always love Annie Hall, but problematic as. But I kind of, you know, I knew about Woody Allen before I watched that film kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, did you? Well, in as much as everybody knew the Sun Yi thing.
1: See, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. I'd watched a shitload of Woody Allen films falling in love with like the kind of the hipster aspect to it kind of thing and uh, just kind of fell into them like, oh god, these are great. And it wasn't until like, years later I then found out all that stuff and everybody's like, ah, oh, come on, you must have
0: known. And I'm like, I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> well, I knew the whole Mia Farrow stuff and I, rightly or wrongly my justification was that he was cleared in an investigation and at a certain point you have to accept But like I say, I'm not saying it's the right justification. No,
1: exactly, exactly. (laughs) But
0: sort of the way I justified it to myself, like say, rightly or wrongly, was that you know he was cleared in an investigation. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: uh, At at the end of the day, the only people who are ever going to know what really happened is Woody and Mia Farah's adopted daughter.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of that at all.
0: And I love the films. There's yeah. some of these films that are shit, but I love the films and they had such a huge impact me on me as a writer. Yeah. And it's that thing of separating art from artists kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> this film's problematic with its love of the Smiths.
1: <laughs> oh, fucking telling me. Yeah. And it's in the soundtrack, two different songs.
0: And you know, I, I love the Smiths, but <laughs> I'm, I'm in a difficult position now. <laughs> like, fortunately I bought all his music, so I'm not giving him any more money. So.
1: That's very true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah no um like i say annie hall high fidelity in this sort of three different periods of time same yeah. similar sort of story although high yeah. fidelity has that happy ending
1: yeah exactly but high, high fidelity
0: is H- not about that summer girl charlie and high fidelity is the summer girl
1: yes it's it-
0: about getting beyond the summer girl to autumn for one of a better term <laughs> fuck that ending Oh my god! See, right. a lot of people shit on that. It didn't bother me. Yeah, like, I got it from as from a storytelling point of view. It's like, yeah, it's hokey. That's that's the only. I, bit, I get it for what you're going for.
1: <laughs> that's the only bit I didn't enjoy is just that last line. Uh, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Autumn, and I, at, at that time, I didn't think anybody in this entire planet could be called Autumn. So I was just like, fuck off! Like, what a fucking hokey way of chucking in that name. And then I kind of. Well, first of all, I met somebody called Autumn. So I was like, oh, right, okay. You're like, Uh, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. Your parents must be fucking high. Um, But yeah, so I met somebody called Autumn and then I found out it's actually quite a common name. And I was like, all right, okay, well, fair enough. I'll I'll let them off. But it just,
0: it feels too fucking wrenched in there. But the other... It's it's a shorthand, isn't it? For being like, and he lived happily ever after, probably. (laughs) Well,
1: Well, see, I see it as like... I always saw that ending as like, he's a way to go and do the whole thing again. Yeah. And this is literally, he hasn't learned a fucking thing uh, and him looking at the camera is like, get ready for round two, sort of thing. And it's like, oh, fuck. And I think see, that's what annoyed me about it as well is that I just wanted him to learn. And I was like, see, I read it as a man learn? who'd
0: grown, because it mm. comes after that sort of reconciliation scene with Summer on the bench. Yeah. I sort of and the fact that he's brave enough to ask her out, whereas he wasn't with Summer. That is true. But there is also the thing that you can look at and be kind of like, he's just going to do it all again. Yeah. Because it's quite possible. Because because <laughs> <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, you've only got to look at the thing where he set up on that other date, and he's fucking horrible. <laughs> he's
1: horrendous to her. And she fucking calls it out on him as well, and is like, look, this girl said that she didn't want a relationship she never once expressed that she ever wanted to do this. And then just sort of looks at him like, well. And his his answer to that is to go to a karaoke, get absolutely blindingly drunk, and then sing a love song uh, for her to walk out and then say that she doesn't look anything like Summers. <laughs> like, fucking hell, what a horrendous wee turd. Honestly. And it's so funny that we're shitting on Tom, because as a character, like He's highly
0: relatable. I and think he, that's part of the reason we shit on him. Yeah, because it's because, scary how relatable he is.
1: Exactly. And you're, you're kind of just shitting on past you who didn't know any better, and now you know better. You're like, fucking get a grip. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, he's just... He's, he is somebody that you can still stick with throughout the film, though. I mean, that whole bit... Let's, let's get to one of the most iconic scenes in the whole thing, when... Uh, he finally gets laid, per se and he walks out in the best way that Hollow Notes has ever been played and he knows
0: his reflection in his hand solo
1: yeah, oh, just incredible walking past and the whole fountain goes off, Yeah. a bluebird comes down and lands on his finger and there's a whole choreographed dance scene with a marching band like, amazing and just to have all of that lead up to him going into the lift, it skip ahead like fifty days and just throw him <laughs> like fucking shit when he comes out of it. It was like that is amazing. It was so good. Like such that's that is in its in its filmmaking, that is perfection. Yeah. Right? Absolute perfection. I, I watched that whole scene play out from start to finish of him walking out of that apartment to that opening of that fucking lift and i went if if not anything else in this whole film that has has sold this entire film for me the whole film could have been absolute dog shit and i would have been like this that but it has that scene in it it's amazing
0: <laughs> that and the reality expectation scene are beautifully done the beautiful yeah. pieces of filmmaking yep, yep. say what you like about the rest of the film but
1: i think um there's that whole thing about him like being an architect as well and trying to push himself to go to like an architect firm, firm and stuff like that I think there's that added thing as well of like, I think he's talked himself into being an architect
0: It's kind him. of like he's the architect of that whole relationship as well isn't he? It's like, yeah. And the architect of the version of the story that we're told in the film
1: Yeah
0: it's right. And I think that's the symbolism of the picture dis- being rubbed out after he leaves the party kind of thing
1: yeah yeah it's
0: it's this world he's built just being rubbed away. rubbed
1: away yeah but it's it's that whole thing as well, like I was watching it, and it's one of those films again that isn't happy with mediocrity no it's it's one of those things of like oh he can't he can't possibly want to just work at a greetings card company i mean god he he must be getting good money with that fuck off apartment he's got, um and that absolutely beautiful view that he's got out of the window, but you know, um, fuck the greeting card company because that's hor- that's that's that shit. That's a that's a that's a bottom level job. He must be an architect. Yeah. That winds me up to fuck. Um, but is that thing of like he really just looks like he's kind of forcing himself to be an architect because clearly being a a greeting card designer would be horrendous. Fuck me, man! I would give anything to be a greeting card designer.
0: I would. I love that scene where he's going around all the different departments. Yeah, coming up with the different things. I love. Us. <laughs> <laughs> but that bit though. It's like it have you tried like... Mary?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But he's looking at that, he's looking at that card before he thinks of that scene. He just sees the, I love us, and the camera just looks at him looking fucking grumpy as shit. <laughs> like, oh that's amazing. It's also the there's also a contrast scene just after that. Uh so there's the, the bit before where he's like Um, i think i've got to face it man i'm in love with summer i love her i love her her teeth i love her knees i love her uh, birthmark i love the way she licks her lips before she speaks Uh, i love the way she laughs all this kind of love the way that i listen to this song and it just gives me hope and makes me think about her this kind of thing and then it's just that a total opposite end (laughs) Like, not like less than 30 minutes later, where he's like, I got knobbly
0: knees, I got crooked teeth. Yeah, he's like, I fucking hate this song. Like, Son, <laughs> you're going to have to get off this bus. <laughs> it's
1: so good. I hate this song.
0: But the thing with that, that I never clocked the first couple of times I watched it, is they're all superficial things.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. And it just, you know, I never overly registered it. No. And then it's when you watch that documentary bit, and they're all talking about their like, you know, ideal woman, and it comes to him, and he's got nothing to say because he doesn't know what his ideal woman is.
1: Yep. Also, let's point out in that documentary bit the fucking standout star and the standout star of the whole entire film, Clark Gregg. Yeah. Man, his boss. Oh my god! Amazing.
0: Oh, he's so fucking earnest with that. She's the light that brings me home. Yes, that is one of our cards. No, I didn't I write, it. write it. It doesn't make it's me any less true. Yeah, I mean... But he's so earnest with that. She's yep. denied the guys we home. And I'm like, that's the fucking... Yep. That's what a relationship is.
1: Vance, man. He, he is... He's so good. Such a good character. And the bit when he's, like, bringing him into the office to say, oh, like... I love that bit. It's like, sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> Loss of life. Nothing to, nothing to live for. You're just like, fucking brilliant. And then before he even gets a chance to answer, he's like, okay, go get (laughs) (laughs) He's just so hopeful. Like, he's so happy. and It's the way he
0: reads that card as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Roses are red, violets are blue. Fuck you, whore. (laughs) You going through some stuff? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Oh, I love it. But he's he Clark Craig's an amazing actor. He'll stop, but oh yes,
0: there's a just... reason he got a whole TV series based off of his performances as Agent Coulson and a few Marvel movies. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, the man is just in- incredible. But he, he's so good in that film, Um and it's just like he actually. I I think he must be thinking of his actual wife when he when he says that bit, like she's the light that guides me home. Yeah, because his face just looks, like, elated, like, completely in love. You know what I mean? You're just like, holy shit.
0: So His face is what's missing from Tom's face. It's like, Tom yeah. looks like he's totally in love with someone, but there's always that vacant thing that's slightly missing. Like, he knows that it's not real.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as much as I love Tom's speech in The Office when he quits about the whole thing, like, oh, let's have a look at this one while well, the pretty heart's on it, like... I love you, sweetheart. Happy Valentine's Day. Ain't love great. Ain't love grand. Like that kind of shit. And he says that it's like bullshit and all this kind of stuff. I, you know, I'm going to quit. There's enough lies in this world without me adding to it. kind of thing. As much as I love that, he treats his boss like shit
0: right yeah. there.
1: One, his boss has told him that he's one of the good ones and doesn't want to sack him and has given him like every opportunity and he just just fucking shrugs him off and doesn't give him anything and leaves him fucking one staff member down, which I just said, like, that must be horrendous for him. But also when he says, like, sit down Hanson, he's not even being aggressive about it. He's no. actually just being to him, like, please just sit down. And he just fucking keeps talking through him. I'm just like, what dickhead? Like, Tom very
0: much is the antagonist of his own movie. Isn't
1: he <laughs> is. It's so funny, because that's why, well, you you know, but that was why earlier on when I was saying, oh, the protagonist went, well, <laughs> protagonist. It's like from the off from the very first moment when he's fucking smashing plates. I'm like, one, that's a fucking waste, mate. And two, that's fucking dangerous. Like, Jesus, your mates are around and you're just fucking smashing plates right in front of them. So much so that they have to call your kid sister who had to come right across. LA, might I add, very dangerous, <laughs> on a bike at the dead of night to give you a fucking swig of vodka and talk some sense into you. So you had to be talked sense into by a preteen, you fucking child.
0: <laughs> it's that, it's the passive aggressive way that he plays the Smiths through his speakers on his computer to try and get <laughs> Summer's attention.
1: Like, I, I honestly, every time I see that, like, even when I was, um, even when I was like relating to that film, I still watched that bit and just went, What a loser. (laughs) What a fucking loser. Although, still, I've done it. Yeah, I have have too. I've sat in college and sat with my headphones and sort of put the volume up enough to see if anybody would notice what I'm listening to and have somebody come and be like, oh, you're listening to so-and-so, and and have the same reaction with Tom that nobody was listening, so just fucking turn it off.
0: (laughs) I remember sitting on a bench that I knew that one of my... Freshly exes would potentially walk by. I sound so fucking stalkery now, <laughs> but reading a book that I knew she loved on <sighs> the off chance that she'd walk by and see me reading it because I'd be like, that's gonna win her back.
1: Jesus, I've, I've done
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like the, only said, reason... that's the worst thing about this film is that I can relate to so much of the shit he does that I look back yeah. on it and I'm like, oh, it's weird should... that I describe it as a film that makes me nostalgic for a time when I was a dickhead. But... <laughs> But it's that weird nostalgia. It's not good nostalgia.
1: No, it's just it's it's something that reminds you of being younger, but not. Necessarily. <laughs> it reminds you
0: that you are a better person.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, you you're so happy about it because you're thinking, "Fucking hell, I have grown!" Please, for the love of Christ, somebody tell me that I've grown because I do not want to be comparable to this little cretin. <laughs> oh, honestly, but but it's like. Regardless of like all of that, it's it is a feat in filmmaking. There is some amazing shots in it. the The story is told expertly. I mean, that jumps all over the place, and yet you still have a coherent narrative through the whole thing. I mean, the changing over the um, from summer to fucking Yvette Nicole Brown, um, yeah, and and changing his assistant and that, and changing certain people in the in the office and that as well, and. Uh, like the way he dresses and stuff like that, and without putting a five o'clock shadow on him or anything like that, like you can just tell the passage of time, not just with the cards that come before it, which is expertly done, but not just with the cards before it—they change colour, but also with the fact that the surroundings and the and the the um, backgrounds and everything all change, all the characters change, everything like that. The only thing that doesn't change is. Uh, the guy from Colonel Mines. Um, yeah. He stays exactly the same. He's always in scrubs. He's always got the same haircut. and He always talks exactly the same as if they were only speaking yesterday, regardless of what day it is. Yeah. But he doesn't show up in the later periods of that film, which I never noticed. No, that's that... a good
0: point. I don't think I'd even clock that with having watched it today.
1: Yeah. It's, he, he literally is there up until. Uh... Is
0: his talking head the last bit he's in? I'm trying to think if he's past that, now.
1: Yeah, I think talking head is the last bit he's in. Because his he's other th-
0: friend's there because he's in the office because he does that great thing after he's been a dick to his boss in that meeting where he does the random calls and nobody else claps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking brilliant. Mackenzie, he's fucking yeah. brilliant. But um yeah, his his mate's in that right up until the, the bitter end kind of thing. Um but he's his other pal, the the doctor, he in in a in a In a timeline aspect as well, the last time you see him is when he says, I don't want to get over I want to get her back. Almost like he's given up on him. It's almost like he's just been like, well, fuck you then.
0: Yeah. He
1: just doesn't show after that. If you watch the timeline of it, the only bits he shows in are pre-breakup. There's never any bits after the breakup where he's there.
0: Yeah,
1: you're right, I'd never clocked that. I'd never clocked it until last uh not last night, the other night when I was watching it, um, and I was sitting going, shit, he really doesn't show up again. I thought maybe it is a case of like, they're just, they're just like fucking hell, hopeless, absolutely hopeless, <laughs> and his mate that's with him in the office is only with him because he's in the office, otherwise, outside of the office, you never see him. no. I mean, okay, fair enough. From a narrative standpoint, it wouldn't make much sense if you kept going back to those friends all the time. It really then becomes the main focus on him and his emotions and his story and everything. So it makes sense narratively to do that. But at the same point, it also, if you look really deep into it, it makes sense that they would just give up on him and just be like, oh, forget it. Because they've, they've said it at the very, very start of the film. It's Amanda Heller all over again. Like, he's done this before. So it's almost like they're just like, "Oh, f- I'm not going through this again. Like I'm not doing this again."
0: That's it, because Tom doesn't listen to anybody. No, <laughs> doesn't if they're not saying what he wants to hear.
1: It's just. It's even even summer, even the bit when he's in the lift, the the one of the greatest bits in the whole film, of uh, so we in the lift and uh, it gets cuts to the bit of them in the lift, and he's like, "You have a good weekend." It was good. Can you believe that shit? I'm sorry, did I did I miss something? Yeah, I think I think I missed a bit of that story. She she said it was good, emphasis on the good. It means she basically spent the whole weekend having sex with some guy that she met at the gym. Screw it, I'm over her. What the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) And he's like, did she also say hey instead of hi? Because you mean that you know that means she's a lesbian. (laughs) It's so fucking like that whole bit that whole all of them in that scene it's so perfectly executed like they have their lines just like almost like clockwork to come in it's just fucking perfect but like that he doesn't even listen to Summer he's not listened to the rest of her story he's just heard her say it's good and then fucking drowned out the rest of it
0: yeah and again that's something I can relate to well yeah I've, done, I've, I've I've. definitely
1: done it myself where I've I've been uh, speaking to somebody and then just halfway through being like, all right, so uh, that means you did this then. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's
0: like, no, if you'd have listened to the next ten minutes of the story. Yeah, exactly. He's so good in it though, the guy from Criminal Minds. Is it Matthew Grey Goober or Matthew Goober Grey? Whichever way around it is.
1: Something like that. I, can't, I can't remember. He's so
0: good in, that whole bit where he pops up at a place after the, and he's like, you know, let me know if any jobs come up. Yeah.
1: Oh, and, uh Tom. Uh, let me know if any jobs come up. Okay, great. See you later.
0: So I can get somebody to eat.
1: I'm stalking.
0: I'm starving. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you didn't hear any of that, did you? No, no, no. You want to go get some food? Yeah, yeah. I'm stalking. I'm, I mean, starving. <laughs> oh, she is. She's brilliant. She's really, really good. Because she makes. She kind of, in a way, makes you hate her, from his point of view. Yeah. But then she also brings you around to be like, no, she's got a point. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I read a thing that was a criticism of her performance that she's like, she just seems so fucking bored in it. It's like, that's the fucking point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, she's she's not her new girl character in this. She's, no. She's like I say, she's doing the best she can with a non character. Yeah, exactly. She really it's is. Like she's, she's the MacGuffin of the film. <laughs> she's
1: trying best to flesh her out as much as she can. And Zoë de Chanel usually has the quirk fucking turned up to eleven, and she really is quite subdued in this film, and just very circumspect, just very very nonchalant about everything. You know what I mean?
0: Um, it's, it's one of those films that's easy to write off as what is called the manic pixie dream girl.
1: Yeah, Alan yeah.
0: Natalie Portman in Garden State. Yes. And she's so not that character, but it takes a couple of watches to realize that that's not what's actually going on in that film.
1: Yeah, and that's
0: I, not who she is.
1: I don't think she's really written that way either. People no. would argue, but um, like I say, it's it's that thing as well. Or you really got to have that sort of retrospective look at it to, to see. I think that... it's because
0: she's Zoe Dessonelle as well. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of, she's plainly the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, because she is in real life. To yeah. every fucking fanboy out there, it's just like,
0: oh my god, Jess and New Girl. Oh.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and I didn't even really know her, um, except from maybe uh, Hitchhiker's Guide.
0: Yeah, I think I'd seen her in that and The Happening. And if you want to watch a film where she gives a performance where she looks like she wants to be anywhere else, watch The Happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, I intentionally didn't watch that because of that. Because um, that's totally
0: a film where she's just like, these are my lines, and I am reading them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. She's in another film with um, Paul Dano that I haven't made my way through yet. It was a bit... She fucking hell, she had the quirk turned up to fucking 90 on that. That was ridiculous. She plays like a guy's... She plays like John Goodman's daughter who comes to find a bed for him uh, to buy in this guy's bed, b- bespoke bed store.
0: Oh, I think I know the film you're on about. I've not seen yeah. it. I can't remember what it's called.
1: But she just comes in and fucking falls asleep in some beds and then acts a bit kind of kooky and quirky. Like <laughs> and you're just like fucking hell. This is terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, I love Paul Dano and I'll watch anything he's in, but that I was just like fucking hell. This is horrendous. This is somebody <laughs> who had some warehouse space and a shitload of mattresses um, to advertise and just went fuck it. Like, let's make a film. <laughs>
0: So he read that Robert Rodriguez book He's like, you know, film with what you've got. He's like, well, I've got a shitload of mattresses.
1: Yeah. And my mate's got a warehouse that he's fucking keeping empty. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> what can we do with that?
1: Fuck it. Anything. Yeah. I've got Paul Dano, uh, fucking John Goodman, Zoe Deschanel and Speed Dale, just because I met them at a party once. Woo-hoo!
0: <laughs> they owe me favours.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, but I think she she does do a lot. And that whole bit where it's like telling you at the start a lot about summer and like the spike in sales when she put a quote in a book and oh from Bell and Sebastian Bell and Sebastian yep yeah, fucking there's your fucking hipster hook right there within the first <laughs> 10 minutes a bit of Bell and Sebastian and the Smiths right off the right off the bat. um there's also the whole fact that the whole thing looks like it's shot through a fucking sepia tone except from when it's doing the musical scene. um
0: Apparently they did that to make her eyes pop more. <laughs> Our eyes pop like anime eyes, anyway. Allegedly, that was the reason they did it. <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole
1: episode of New Girl where they talk about uh, her having massive eyes, um, and it's a guy that like draws her in his creative writing class, but he can't draw the eyes, so he just draws really shitty, huge eyes on her figure. But they think that they're just drawing her with huge eyes because she's got massive eyes. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I don't think you need to accentuate her eyes anymore, to be fair. <laughs> she already looks like a living embodiment of Betty Boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that whole bit like is really done well. And she does really well to just kind of underplay it on that whole thing, like cycling towards the camera and stuff. But even then, that's a bit of a problematic bit for me as well. Like, oh, her walk... Has so many uh, dictates so many double takes per day or whatever. I'm just like fucking hell. Like there's just there's just little bits. It's not huge. It's not like some of the films that you watch now that are completely laden with problems. But it was just some of the stuff. Like I think Mackenzie at one point like turns and says like you sound gay to Tom and you're like fucking hell. Like where did that even come from? Like just out of nowhere. You know what I mean? And there's loads of bits about people being lesbians and stuff like that. Um like some are explaining she's not looking for a relationship and all this kind of stuff, like when they're sitting around the table, she doesn't believe in love. And he goes, Are you a lesbian? And it's like, what? Because lesbians aren't capable of love. Like what is wrong with you? It <laughs> doesn't make any what sense.
0: They're not. We know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> it was, was Adam and Peter Eve, down. not Adam and Steve. Um <laughs> But no, which is it's the just... greatest argument for anything ever
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah even like in that same breath as well like he says to her like oh god she's a dude she's a dude <laughs> and it's like well no she's a woman who knows what she wants you know what I mean like she's she's laid it out right there she is a, a human being who knows where she wants her life to go at this moment um, but for god damn it if Tom Hansen ain't gonna try and fucking derail that for her <laughs> If he ain't going to try and throw a spanner in the works and be like, I'm a fucking mess. Whee
0: It's, as much as I love the film, it's the big problem with going back and watching like Chasing Amy you now. Yes! Fuck it's like, as as much as you justify that within the world of that film, that like, you know, she realised that by being gay or straight, she was locking herself off to like 50% of the world kind of thing and all those are potential opportunities. It's kind of like, yeah, but you're still taking a lesbian and turning her straight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like,
0: and that is still a problem, though. As, yep. as much as I, like, I say, love that film and will happily rewatch that film, problems and all. It's, but I mean, I, don't I think, know.
1: The, I think that, the thing that helps it's tri-
0: tricky to always say that was the sort of the time, but
1: yeah, yeah I know it was, <laughs> it was, yeah, and it was based upon fucking Smith's um, actual, like, real life interactions with. His real life Amy sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. His speech is basically kind of what actually happened. Do you know what I mean? And it's um.
0: What's it? It was his inability to deal with the fact that she slept with more people and done more sexually than he ever had. Yeah, and it's (laughs) or would never care to try.
1: But the the good thing the good thing about that film and makes it slightly less problematic is that Smith pulls that aside and knows its problems and clearly shows that he has grown as a person and doesn't have a problematic past yeah. or anything you know he he is he's kind of the, he's kind of the ideal person to have a film like that because if somebody calls him on it he'll be the first to say well, yeah, you know, it is, it is problematic, but fuck, man, I was this age. Give us a fucking break.
0: I've learnt since then, you know what I mean? What's and at no point in that film is there anybody that's like, yeah, the Ben Affleck character was fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> Holden, you are spot on.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just blows everything out of fucking portion. It is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, honestly. But well, it's... Uh, Okay. I tell you, man, out of... um. Of the two possibilities that we probably could have spoke about today, well, actually three, we'll say three, uh, the three possibilities we could have spoken about today, it could have been either, either this, or as you mentioned, the aforementioned Garden State, because which has the same sort of problems and everything as well, um, or any of fucking Smith's films. Yeah. Because there's loads of Smith's films that very much play in that kind of hipster Territory, and it's all because he comes from that fucking drop out of film school and do it on your own sort of basis. And like you said, buying the fucking Robert Rodriguez book and just kind yeah. of taking that as a blueprint, which is what a lot of them do. Um, which is clearly what fucking Zach Braff did as well, working within his means, just yeah, I'll fucking do everything in, in the place where I walk, where I come from. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll both, both fucking of New Jersey Boys and that as well. You know what I mean?
0: That's it. I mean, I'll always love Kevin Smith because he sort of set me on a journey to try my hand at making a couple of films. And that was an awesome summer before my kids were born And that. That was like the best months of my life making that film. Yeah. And that was all down to Kevin Smith at the end of the day. I mean, you know, me and a couple of people having the drive to do it. But
1: yeah, the inspiration.
0: (laughs) So, So that basis of inspiration that fuck, you can actually do it yourself. Yeah. And you know, this is before everybody had a decent camera on their phone that they could shoot it on.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> or before you could get a decent software to kind of do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, and that's. He'll always have a pass for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I. 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 I mean, the problem with that is that I did. Part of me did dream that you know, you know, Harvey Weinstein will come in and offer me a shitload of money to buy my oh. film. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a problem now. <laughs> We're definitely covering a That's a the gamut. Hollywood equivalent of being kind of like, you know, yeah, I'm going to write a jib or fix it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know what? The, in the last, like, less than 10 years, there's just been problem after problem with high-powered people. And it's not fucking surprising, but it's it doesn't make it any less shocking. And it's awful that they're all tied with people that are talented and everything as well. I mean, I really fucking feel for Kev... I mean, I, I'm assuming you would have heard when he when he eventually spoke about the whole Harvey Weinstein of it all. And he was just in fucking tears
0: the whole way yeah. through. We well, don't take um, any money from those films now, will you? he? Donates no, he doesn't. To the Me Too, Me, uh, Me Too charity or one of those ones.
1: Uh, he donates it to a local women's shelter, I think. That's right, yeah. Yeah, because he volunteers there every now and then as well. Because um, it's that he...
0: weird thing as well, because I would like... You'd like to think that if you were around... Harvey Weinstein's orbit and you witness that stuff you'd say something yeah, but if nobody else is, would you yeah exactly I mean we have going way off 500 days summer, oh, yeah but... Just... But... but it's and it is that thing you'd like to think it and I think I mean there's all those people when you watch the documentaries about him that worked for Miramax were like we knew this shit was going on some of us quit some of us were just kind of like that's just Harvey. Yeah and it's like and you know you can see the shame in their voice and their faces when they say it.
1: I think people need to remember that like they weren't in that situation it's all easy enough for people to say
0: what's it when your entire career and you know the survival of your family necessarily because that yes. is the job that provides the money that puts the food on the plates kind of thing.
1: Yep. It doesn't make anything that he did any less Shocking, abhorrent, fucking, downright evil, just fucking yeah. disgraceful. It doesn't make it. It doesn't make it any less in in any way, shape, or form. It's just that these people just didn't know what the fuck to do. To be honest, they didn't have a clue. And it was <laughs> who was not... going to listen?
0: Who was going to believe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was getting think... to the point where they were making jokes about it on Thirty Rock. Yeah. So yeah. it was a known thing, and it was just the butt of a joke kind of thing.
1: Yep. <laughs> but. but... Fucking hell, we digress. Anyway, yes, <laughs> but in the same in the same kind of ballpark area, not not as heavy, but pro- problematic um, movies per se, um, and sort of downgrading the the female characters and that. Uh, unfortunately, Five Hundred Days of Summer actually falls within that bracket. Just on purely a non in depth look at it, if you were just a person that was viewing it for the first time, you might be more inclined to be like. fucking hell that's like sexist and fucking homophobic and all this kind of shit but if you're one of them that's sort of come up with it from day dot you can see through everything on it
0: and you can see the the... what it is because it's a film very much told from the male gaze isn't it yeah exactly and that's so you do but then you also look at most romantic comedies the female character is generally pretty well underwritten even films i love like um, Groundhog Day. Yeah, she's merely an object for him to obtain. Yep, she's got a bit of character, but it's certainly never really developed. Yep.
1: I, I just think, man, we shouldn't. He, nobody should be made f- to feel guilty about liking something. That may or may not be fucking problematic, depending on what time it was out or anything like that. If you like it, like it, fucking own That's it. it. Don't you, be made if to if feel guilty about it. the problems. Yeah, exactly. That's if, uh, if exactly. you're watching
0: it and me kind of like, yeah, she was just. That's what women are. Yeah, <laughs> it's... they're all bitches. all play with your head. And <laughs> you like, well, now we've got a problem. <laughs>
1: it's, 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 it is that thing though. Like if you if you own the problems of it, but you still absolutely adore the film for being what it is, and for having that little bit to you, then fucking by all means, man. Like, as long as you know that this kind of shit's going on, even if you don't fucking know, what does it matter? What does it matter to anybody else? As long as you're not fucking hurting
0: anybody. You know what I mean? It's the thing I always loved about Ten Things I Hate About You that nobody ever really clocks, is that it's Heath Ledger's character that changes for her. Yeah. She softens, but he changes for her rather than she changes for him, and that's a complete... 180 from the way it's usually done.
1: Yeah, that's why that film gets such a high stead at the end of the day. Another Joseph Gordon-Levitt film as well. Yes. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, by the way, like let's let's not underplay this. Like, what an actor!
0: Oh, he's amazing. I kind of get. It sounds horrible to say it, but some of the parts he plays, I could have seen being Heath Ledger parts because I've maintained that Heath Ledger was one of the finest actors of my generation yeah. or our generation.
1: It's because they both look very similar as well. And
0: they've got very similar acting styles and they were both yeah. in 10 Things I Hear About You.
1: <laughs> if I remember rightly as well, they were both actually really good friends in real life. Yeah. Um, which is, I've, I always feel really shitty about that as well because um, for Joseph Gordon-Levitt because, I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's brother died of drug dependency and then Heath Ledger dies of accidental overdose. It's like fuck, man. Like all these people around you just fucking dying like flies because of fucking drugs. You know what I mean? I'm really surprised he still manages to keep going on the way he is and doesn't fucking go out there and like advocate for fucking drug yeah <laughs> or anything and just just fucking give it all up and just be like just fucking give up the drugs, man. <laughs> he still is a fucking d- dependable. Wholehearted, fucking yes, let's go for it. Very positive person, fucking amazing. Like a great actor, a a great kind of voice for creativity and everything as well.
0: Like, yeah, because he does that thing where he recuts films, doesn't he? Like yeah, he he's, cut all the Lord of the Rings films down into one film.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got um, he's got that company, Hit Record. Yeah. As well. Um, this has its problems, but it's it's all all in all it's a good um. Is a good outlet for creative people, definitely.
0: But I mean, yeah, he's genuinely one of the talents because he'll always be that kid from Third Rock from the Sun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Well. I, always, I always forget that, and then I just catch a glimpse of fucking Third Rock, and I'm like, holy. That's it. It's weird when I go
0: back to it. I'm like, holy shit, that's Joseph gordon lovett
1: <laughs> Yeah, I always look at it and go, holy shit, that's fucking John
0: Lithgow. He'll <laughs> get killed in a Halloween film suit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I love John Lithgow in that series. I love John Lithgow anyway. But
1: I love him. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do love him anyway. But yeah, you're right. He, he, he fucking shone in that TV show, man.
0: I love the way he riffs on his past roles as well, like Twilight Zone the movie. Him and yeah. Shadow, where they play, he played the same thing in two different Twilight <laughs> Zone things. It's like, There's uh, something on the wing. Mine too. <laughs> and that whole bit where he riffs on um, when Tommy starts the band. Any um riffs on Footloose where he starts talking oh, yeah. about the music being the devil's music and that. <laughs> is that it's just so well played. Uh
1: that's not who who's the who's the woman
0: again? I can't remember who it is. Um Oh shit, what's her name? Kristen I can't is, think it, what her is. it is. Christy Alley? No, it's um uh, I keep getting her mixed up with Christy Alley. I'm gonna have to fucking hang on. <laughs> Uh, 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 Sally was the character, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Kristen Johnson.
1: Kristen Johnson. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I remember now.
0: So yeah, the the man trapped in the woman's body.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because they kind of played they played that for like quite a long time, like really hardcore, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside after a while. And then it yeah. was like, we'll just bring it up when it when it suits
0: us, kind of thing. It's a thing, it, it's it's a a thing we'll bring out when we need it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, no, it's just
0: a woman. That's it. I love that one where they're trying to be in a normal American family and they're all reading a Grisham book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's my Grisham? It's like, mine's about a plucky, no, it's mine too. And they just all swap books partway through. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. but the um, just, uh, just whilst I remember... Uh, I mentioned Garden State quickly there because, yeah. because as we know, it was a toss-up between either Garden State or Five Hundred Days of Summer.
0: Which and, I'm glad we went for Five Hundred Days because I realised I don't have my copy of Garden State anymore, so I would have had to have re-bought it.
1: <laughs> yeah, do you know, I'm, I'm actually really glad we went for uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer as well because I think I would have got so far with Garden State and then hit a brick wall because I do love that movie um i do still love that movie i went off it for a wee while and then i went back and watched it and was like no i do i do really like this film but it is one of them where it is it is a lot of set pieces and a lot of zach braff kind of making like a lot of miniature music videos and then putting them together um with a very loose narrative of him palling about where his mate and this girl and that's the thing it. that
0: always puts me off rewatching it is that I always remember the bit in her bedroom where she's like, "You got to make the weird noise like, yeah, Yeah, uh... and I was like, uh. yeah that always irritated me. Do you know what? <sighs> Even when I liked that film, that scene always bugged me. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know I, 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 hold. I think I hold that film in such high regard because for a long time, I was really looking for something in movies and wasn't getting it at all. Um, couldn't figure out what it was I was looking for. I just kept watching film after film and just being bored, senseless. And then one day, lying when I was off college or something like that, and Garden State was just starting on uh, Sky Movies or something like that. And turning it on and seeing it was Zach Braff and being like, oh, it's that guy from Scrubs. Not knowing that Garden State was a thing or it existed and just like totally falling for it right there and then and i just i always remember that first moment of sitting there being like this is what i was fucking looking for in a film this is exactly what i was looking for in a film it's not quite to me at that time i was like it's not quite a rom-com it's not quite a straight out and out comedy it's a dramedy per yeah. se somewhere in between and it's got a fucking basting soundtrack amazing like unbelievable but a cold plate to fucking start it off Everybody was fucking listening to the Shins, which was another thing that John fucking said <laughs> that annoyed the shit out me. Um, he's fucking giving it all right to everybody who's listening to the Shins at that point. Fuck that, you know. Um, and I'm sitting going, fuck, dude, fuck you, man.
0: I love the Shins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a bit my... younger than us, though.
1: <laughs> Hell
0: a wee bit it's fine <laughs> see i was about in my early 20s when guy on state came out i was big into the kevin smith films, so i was very much into what i perceived to be indie film which was those yeah. at the time that miramax movement kind of thing yeah, yeah that early late 90s early 2000s miramax quirky indie film kind of thing yeah so that was the shit i was seeking out i used to watch talking movies at like five o'clock in the morning on bbc News, <laughs> and that'd be all the shit in films they were talking about and i was like these are proper fucking films this is what i should be watching
1: the crying game and whatnot. <laughs> and
0: it's <laughs> there's a film that's not aged well <laughs> <laughs> no, not in the slightest but um yeah it's uh so I was actively seeking films like that lost in translation Yeah. several other ones you mentioned at the top of the episode <laughs> yeah exactly just those uh, quirky weird fox searchlight miramax films
1: yeah fox, fox searchlight very much took over uh, that modicum for a wee while I think 500 Days of Summer is a Fox Searchlight it right? is Fox
0: Searchlight yeah. Yeah, D- yeah. the now defunct Fox Searchlight because Disney yeah. closed it didn't they
1: which now seems to be A24 seems to be the one that's kind of taking that over yeah making the sort of independent nonchalant flick with maybe a star or two maybe not
0: because you of... still get occasional ones like that like you get the what if the Daniel Radcliffe film that came yes. out recently which Absolutely. I really no. liked
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. I absolutely love that movie. My other half adores that film. And it it, it plays well for me because, one, I love Daniel Radcliffe. Um, I don't care what anybody says. He's not just Harry Potter. I fucking think he's a brilliant actor. Um, and... Uh, oh, fuck. Sweet...
0: So oh, that's going to annoy me. Paul, um, Paul the Dance. one who was in... Yeah, the one who was in... Uh, what was the one with the guy from Silicon Valley in it? Mm.
1: That's going to annoy me. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm looking it up. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't not look this up, because I'll be here for fucking ages. Uh, Zoe, Zoe Kazan. Yeah. yeah, Zoe Kazan. We
0: She's... hit her at
1: the same time. Yeah. Her and, um Big
0: Sick. That was the other one I was trying to think Big of. Big Sick, that's it. Yeah, eh... Uh... Oh, she was in Ruby Sparks as well, of course she was.
1: Yes, yes. And that's her and Paul Dano. That's uh, her and her other half in real life. Uh... Yeah. Because I didn't know that and then went to look up Ruby Sparks and it was like, uh, the relationship between uh, Kazan and Dano is electric as these two real life uh, lovers. And I went, so what? And I looked up and was like, ah. Now they're They're a total power couple and a half. I will watch. They 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 two actually have um, a record that I think I like every single film that I've seen them in. Yeah. Even that one that even that dodgy one with fucking Zoe Deschanel and uh, John Goodman. um, I still like him in it. Um, But yeah, I like every single film that they are in together or independently so far. So I'm always really hesitant when they're in something new and I go to watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, what if? What a, what a fucking great movie.
0: I love things like that. That um, Have you seen Before We Go with Chris Evans and Alice Eve?
1: Oh, God. Oh, no. No, I've not. No, My It I was on have... Netflix.
0: I don't know yeah. if it still is, but that's a really good... Well, yeah. I really enjoyed that film. I it was a really good film, but I think it's a good film. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, again, it's one of those... Kind of got a vibe of lost in translation, but it plays over one night, two people right. are sort of forced together, kind of thing,
1: right? Okay, but I
0: love that shit, like in search of the midnight kiss and all that,
1: yeah. Oh man, That that's um, that's virgin on uh, that's virgin on mumbo core, that one, yeah. <laughs> that's, your, that's your um, uh, Duplass brothers and all that kind of stuff, Well, that's where like your sister's sister comes in. Um, I watch anything that's got Mark Duplass
0: in it. See, I discovered Mark Duplass from The League. Right, the okay, I, yeah, I, didn't,
1: I didn't watch that.
0: It's polar op- or actually not polar opposite but it's, it's kind of not what you'd expect when you then go to the, watch the films. Yeah. But they do really interesting shit. They're kind of like the film equivalent of what you can do in comics. Because they're kind of like we want to make a horror film. Yeah, guy with a sack on his head. It's like, yeah, cool, fine, whatever.
1: Yeah, very <laughs> much so. I mean, the whole mumblecore scene is kind of like the indie comic scene. To be fair, doing everything on a fucking shoestring budget. I mean, like the puffy chair and all the kind of films. Uh, uh, Hannah takes stairs. Uh, LOL. All that kind of stuff. Like it was all. It was all not that I, not that I'm much of a Joe Swanberg fan, but um, all those kind of films were very much like they're almost like the indie comic scene, just doing it on the means that you've got, kind of thing, and shitty little cameras yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I love that that's where they came from, and now Marta Plas is like almost one of the biggest actors that you ever see. It's unbelievable. He pops up in fucking everything as well.
0: Yeah, he's quite a powerful fucking player, and certainly at the level of filmmaking that he's at. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a film. I, there's two films I watched with him recently that are. They're, they're It's done by. The Duplass brothers, but I uh, think it's different. They didn't direct it, somebody else, but it was the same director did them. One of them is Blue Jay, and one of them is Paddleton. Uh, they were both on Netflix. I think they still are on Netflix, actually. Um is
0: Paddleton the one with Ray Romano in it?
1: Yes. And holy shit, both of them, I was in tears by the end of it. <laughs> And it's because it's it's that again. It's that sort of hipstery fucking sensibility about it, where there's not really there's not really a whole lot going on. There's a very basic story. Uh, there's unlike a lot of the other films, their films are filled with a shitload of dialogue. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of long shots showing you the scenes and the scenery and driving scenes and stuff like that with a lot of scenery going by and all this kind of stuff. Blue Jay is in fucking black and white. But oh my god, like they're just amazing, like unbelievable. I was not expecting to be into them, and they're just unbelievable. And they kind of, they very much gave me that same vibe as the first time I ever watched Five Hundred Days of Summer, where I wasn't really expecting much, and then ended up just glued to the screen.
0: I love it when a movie grabs you like that, especially one where you can't really tell people why.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Which is possibly the very definition of a hits the movie. Be like, what's it about then? Oh, it's just about this guy who meets a. Yeah, fuck it. What well, you have to watch it.
1: <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. It's it's the kind of film that I always say to I always say to my other half. Um, no, you wouldn't you wouldn't like it. She goes, why? And I go, because it's a film where nothing really happens. And she goes, all right, okay. <laughs> she always gets so pissed off as she. She sits down and watches a film, and then it comes to the end, and I feel like it's had a a resolution to it. She sort of sits down to it and goes, nothing fucking happened. Like, what the fuck? And she's like, there's no end in here. Like, (laughs) it doesn't end on anything. I'm like, oh, man, I feel like it really did. And she's like, why? Like, that leaves (laughs) it up to your own interpretation. She's like, I want it to end telling me what fucking happened. (laughs) I'm like, okay, fair enough. And she's got a point. She has got yeah. a point. Some of them really do need it. I mean, there's some of those films I've watched and it's come to the end and it's sort of like, oh, it's left up to interpretation. And you sit and go, that's just fucking lazy writing. They just didn't know how to end it. So they went, eh, is that's... it or isn't it? You
0: know? Like, it's like, just give me a slight morsel so that I can, if I want to lean more towards that one way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm always torn with that because sometimes I like the definitive end. Mm. But I. I, I... I think it's how the film plays out
1: yeah definitely
0: but 95 percent of the time i'm quite happy with and plus i grew up in an age where they're like we're gonna make this film it's gonna get a sequel it's like no it's not
1: (laughs) yeah i do i do love that and also um it's like the before trilogy like always leaving you on that kind of awkward ending Um, (laughs) and then you're kind of like shit i'll
0: wait 10 years to find out (laughs)
1: Well, for the first for the first one, you didn't know the second one was coming. No, you know I mean when it came to the second one. To be fair, I think even though he had said in a press junket somewhere that there was going to be a third, you, you you didn't know. Like there was a part of you that was like, "Is he gonna though?" Like I, I don't mean, there's have so seen the third.
0: One yet. No, I haven't. I haven't at all. I love the first two, and I'm kind of torn with not wanting to know what they grew up to be kind of thing. I know they by the second one they're kind of grown up anyway but I've heard that they, they're still not and it's like are they just going to be a couple that's arguing all the time which is kind of some of the bits <laughs> I've read. It's like that's not what I want them to be.
1: I've heard if you watch it literally um in conjunction with the kind of age that you are with who the age that they are then it fucking hits home kind of thing. Right. Whereas if you watch it as a binge right the way through and you're only in like your 20s apparently by the time you get to the end one you're just like oh this is bullshit it's just a bunch of fucking old people speaking so they turned into my parents <laughs> yeah exactly so you're just like oh fucking shit whereas i think if you've got that kind of mindset of like you, your your head can go there of like oh jesus this is what i'm going to be like when i'm older you're just like oh god it's gonna hit home <laughs> I, that's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of watching it and being like, oh, "I don't want to see my life <laughs> before it happens." <laughs> said, I'll watch it when I can relate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to watch the second one again because I don't think I took the second one in fully at all. Because so I watched the first
0: it. one until the second one came out, which again was around right. that early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so and I was, I loved the first one, so I waited a little bit before I watched the second one. <laughs>
1: I am. Kind I of spe-
0: at, let it digest. And
1: I, uh, I spoke about the second one with somebody and realised that I was missing loads of the bits out of it. And they mentioned a couple of conversations that they had, and I was like, "Oh, I don't remember that." I think it's just been it's been. I've only had one viewing, and it was so long ago. And with the first one, that I think I've just kind of kept the first one in my head because I've then watched that a couple of times since then. Yeah, kind of forgotten the
0: second one in the interim kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a it's a bit like watching In the Mood for Love and then Twenty Forty Six. It's like they're only loosely connected, not at all in some ways. Yeah, (laughs) because I love In the Mood for Love and um, Chunking Express. Those two feel more closely together than Twenty Forty Six. Yeah, swaying into uh, (laughs) One Car Wide kind of. Foreign language films, but again, they very much in that fitting of 500 Days of Summer and those sort of things,
1: yeah. Well, I, I was actually going to mention, um, in that big list as well, I was going to mention Amelie, yeah, um, very much so, and Blue is the Warmest Color, um, which was also a comic book as well. It was, um, that was which a film
0: is... that was so sensationalized by the sex scenes,
1: yeah, yeah, it
0: really was, and to- yet people kind of lost the actual story
1: yeah and yeah i I think i was i was very lucky in the aspect that i hadn't heard anything about it i just saw a poster for it and thought "Hmm, that looks interesting so rented it from the library Got funny oh, looks. Right from right, yeah,
0: exactly. So just rent porn, dude.
1: Yeah, I'm like, what? Oh, what is it? Um, rented it and watched it and was like, oh, oh fucking hell, like a bit taken aback. But at the I used same time, point... customer in
0: HMV who would ask what the sex scenes were like in films uh... would only get the foreign language films for that. It's like we've got, like, admittedly, you know, it's not hardcore, but we've got a softcore adult section right there.
1: Jesus. it's like it no, just, no, no. It must have just been his kink. That he just didn't want it to go sort of full on,
0: something. <laughs> he brought that uh, short bus. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> he bought it because you know he knew it was a sexy film. He's like, uh, didn't realise that man on man stuff in it. <laughs> He's trying to tell me why the film was disgusting. It's like, yeah, I know the scenes you're on about. It's like, they didn't bother me.
1: <laughs> no, don't bother me, none. No, it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's just kind of fucking...
0: but no, but the, the the downside of working in retail. <laughs> Oh, fucking
1: hell! The inside of working in retail, there's many, my friend. Many, 12, 12 years I did it, mate, and I, I, wouldn't go back. I'll tell you
0: that. No, I wouldn't. That's why I love my job now. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, same. It's
0: a decade uh, in retail. It's like spending ages recommending foreign language films for the person to bring them back the next day because they weren't in English. Yeah, fuck, fuck that. You specifically asked for foreign language. <laughs>
1: No, it's the the thing I got was the old guy bringing it back saying that he wanted to see the whole picture. He didn't understand why there the, there was a black box at the top and the bottom that was stopping him seeing the whole film. And I well, had the... to explain to him that that was the whole fucking film. That if he did <laughs> cut off those top bits, he would lose bits at the side. For him to then turn around and say, "No, that's not how TV works." And to well, me, when I say, "I want to watch it through
0: a letterbox. I'll go outside."
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, <laughs> "Fucking hell." I just remember losing my temper with him and just pulling it back out of his hands and being like, fine!
0: The best one I had was a guy who brought back one of the adult films because the girl on the cover wasn't in the film. I was like, <laughs> you were a man who knew specifically what you wanted in that movie. I've got to respect that. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant.
1: No, no mate, I, I deal with some fucking idiots sometimes nowadays. I mean, dog walking, you deal with some fucking idiots out and about, but none compared to fucking Retail holy shit people are just morons i mean my other half still works in the place where we both worked she's worked there for almost as long as i had a retail career and see some of the stories she comes back where i'm like jesus i'm so glad i'm not fucking there i'll tell you that
0: <laughs> it's it's funny but it's soul destroying at the same time
1: <laughs> yeah it just makes you hate the human race as well <laughs> you just go away from it just like fucking hell why do people exist <laughs> jesus We've evolved so much to literally come to the point where we return a pair of trousers because they now uh, aren't as blue as the first time that you got them. Uh, <laughs> because I've washed them six times in the space of a week. <laughs> fucking elf. The gun should fade that fast. Yeah. Oh, they, they, they seem to have lost a bit of length on the bottom. <laughs> um, did you tumble dry them?
0: Yeah, but they shouldn't lose the fucking length. I'm like, jeez, I say don't tumble dry on them. <laughs>
1: oh. Well, I think we've strayed a far away a bit from uh, 500 Days of Summer. No, but, I uh, think we can all
0: agree that those are the kind of people that watch it and, like, summer's a bitch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spot on, mate. Spot on. <laughs> Spot on.
0: <laughs> that's how I bring it all back round.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: but, but, I mean, you sort of touched on a couple, but sort of f- further viewing for people. If...
1: hmm. Further viewing, uh, I'll go I'll I will go back to my list because it is the ones that I've I've got. Um I would definitely a lot of people I think it's very highly underrated, but I I would definitely suggest Silver Linings playbook. Um I just like some of the some of the stuff that they kind of play in that and, and it's still if you want an actual love story that plays out properly and plays out with a happy ending but with one heck of a fucking cast in it as well. And a really um,
0: likeable Robert De Niro. Yeah, really likeable Robert De Niro. Um, so I've not liked Robert De Niro that much since Everybody's Fine, was it? That film that everybody overlooked, that's a dad going to visit all three of his kids.
1: Yes, is that's the uh, that's the film that has the cover with him with his fucking trouser legs rolled up in water or something like that, isn't it?
0: not sure i think it's him sitting on a bench it's got sam rutwell drew barrymore and i can't remember the third kid <laughs>
1: remember I, I know what you're on about but I, I can't think off the top of my head but um
0: it's before he started making things like dirty grandpa or whatever it was called. unbelievable
1: um bobby de niro is just a, a fucking enigma on himself now um but yeah silver line is playbook man um it kind of plays I think it plays on mental health quite nicely as well. Um, A lot of people think that it makes a mockery of it, but I don't think it does. I think it shows different aspects of mental health in different ways. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence's character is pretty together, to be honest. She knows exactly what she wants to do and everything, and yet she's the one that's rattling off the amount of fucking pills that she's been on and all this kind of stuff. One that they keep calling crazy, and she's like, oh, I'm not crazy. She's like, I'm just fucking stricken with grief. Like they know the difference. That's that's the good thing about it as well. She fucking calls them on it and basically in no uncertain terms says them says to them all like fucking learn the difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's like, I'm not you might see it as crazy, but that's cause you're not absolutely street grief, <clears throat> grief stricken to fuck. Um yeah, it's such a good film. And it was
0: that was one that I went to see at the cinema.
1: It's nice nicely
0: week, feel good as well. Yeah. People, I, I was, it's one of those ones that people either seem to really like it or they just out and out fucking hate it.
1: Yeah, it's well, it's a, it's a David O'Russell Russell joint, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so pe- that's his films have always been like that. It's always been fucking marmite with David O'Russell Russell. Yeah. You either love him or hate him. Um, But yeah, definitely Silver Linings Playbook, Ruby Sparks. We were speaking about that's just a fucking that's a head trip in general. Um, that whole thing of creating a. The perfect woman on the page. But that's a whole thing in itself of that's that's kind of playing to the literary side of, of someone and does he actually create this woman or is it all kinda of in his head kind of thing? And is he just getting obsessed with writing the story and falling in love with the character kind of thing? And projecting it then upon someone and but it has got that kind of weird thing in it that it shows you on a on a sort of metaphorical level as well of showing you this uh, this woman that is then created from the pages of this guy's novel or whatever you know what I mean yeah um, but fuck I just love that that is hipster as fuck though that is <laughs> LA landscapes and uh, those two acting all quirky and Dano and a pair of fucking thick rim specs with a typewriter and big shirts and Breakups and it's sort of cocky jock-like brothers to emphasise the fact that Dano's character is really quirky and oh, just unbelievable. Um, yeah, absolutely love it. Lost in translation. <laughs> With Everybody just John in <laughs> <laughs> up you Tucker. Um, <laughs> lost in translation, massive. Um, no. Uh, I definitely, I would say Lost in Translation if you if you want a problematic film about an old dude that falls in love with a a young burden
0: in, in Japan. I mean, it's, it's what we all aspire to be one day, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh god. No, it's, it's, I do, I do love it though. Like just for a set piece overall, to be honest, and just to get the overall feel and emotion from it. Look more upon it as a sort of. It's Just like an art house feature, as opposed to um, an actual narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I mean, like I said when I when John brought it up, is that it was a film. That when I watched it, I loved it, and yeah. I possibly do still love it. I just need to go back to it. But it's the idea of getting past that tween us. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Because,
0: like I say, Murray is superb in it. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just got sort to of get past that
1: Johansson's I, stigma I built up in it it's one of Johansson's roles that I actually really enjoy her and I don't really like her in a lot of stuff um, but I I thoroughly enjoy her in it Um, I like
0: her in that, I'd like to since Ghost World, I thought she was really good in Ghost World Ghost World's just uh, astounding
1: full stop, that is literally Klaus fucking brought to life That is incredible, that's another fucking hipster one to be fair um, but then Daniel... Yeah, Plessy. but it's got
0: Steve Buscey in it, so we'll let it yeah, go. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> da- but Daniel Klaus's work as well is just fucking hipster central when you go yeah. on it. It's amazing. Um, that's that's a, that's basically what we're looking for in film in comic <laughs> form. You know what I mean? Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower is another one that is playing everything from a different slant and very heady in topic... Uh, but you can't really say much on that if nobody's watched it
0: Yeah, it's tricky to talk about this Yeah, this very tricky to talk about It uses Come On Eileen in an awesome way though, so
1: Yeah, we were speaking about that the other day actually, me and the other half um, Yeah, it really does with him sort of bobbing in to the, the build up bit of Come On Eileen It's just
0: the thing of like, they're playing good music yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can never get a setting on that like a time on that film whatsoever I mean, I think. No, I
0: can't. I think it's one of those. It could be any time.
1: Yeah, I think it is. It's meant to be played, so it's timeless, sort of thing. But I'm sure a cell phone pops up at some point, like an iPhone or something. But then I, then I think about it and I'm like, does it though? I don't think like, We weren't it... going to
0: date this film by using the shins. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. No, they just use an absolute whole host of other stuff, like David Bowie. The one bit about that film that really annoys me is that they're like, Oh what is this song? I've never heard the song like it's Heroes yeah. by fucking David Bowie. Like you've yeah. never heard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I said, if it was Heroes by Regina Spektor as used in 500 Days of Summer you could kind of maybe get away with it. I've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I sometimes think um I sometimes think uh, they maybe didn't set out with the intention of using no. that song that they were thinking of making it something else but the other song was too expensive.
0: So they sweet talk David Bowie. It's either that, or they were like, "We'll never get the David Bowie thing." So write it like it's something obscure, and then they're like, "We got the Bowie songs." Like, fuck, we shot that now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the good thing about that is, as well, is that that film is written and directed by the writer of the novel. Yeah, uh, Stephen Chbosky. Um, but yeah, um, unbelievable film. Um, I,
0: I suppose we could say that as they are high school kids, they possibly have never heard about me.
1: <laughs> fuck, man, that's
0: a hard. That's,
1: a, that's fucking clutching out straws with that, like, definitely.
0: I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the day. <laughs> that's fair enough. You know, it it was all just in Timberlake and NSYNC, and <laughs> their dad funny. never played a record for them. Just looking
1: at them though, they're hipster enough that they would be. I dealt that. I oh, mean, fuck. I what so. is it? They listen to. He
0: listens to. um... He listens to the Smiths. Well, they get excited by Come On Eileen, and they've never heard of David Bowie.
1: What is it? It's um, fucking Asleep by the Smiths, doesn't he? Yeah, he that's right.
0: That all the time. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that film as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, same here. Actually, I might actually watch that tomorrow. Um, uh, I think aside from that dude anything Wes Anderson guaranteed fucking amazing um, like Fantastic Mr Fox is definitely one of my favourites uh, see I
0: really like that that got a bad rap but
1: right, I, I really I'm,
0: quite
1: enjoyed that I'm, I'm absolutely fucking obsessed with that film the amount of work that went into
0: that is unbelievable the casting's so good as well Clooney's right. spot on for Fantastic Mr
1: Fox Yes, he he's unbelievable She's um, got
0: that dry deadpan,
1: and I don't. I don't really like Meryl Streep and her her voice for uh, for Mrs. Fox. I can't remember. Yeah. She does actually have a name, but um, she's brilliant as well. So deadpan in that as well. Um, it's kind of horrifying in places if you're yeah. a child, but it's not made for children. So I mean, it's just made as an animated flick. It's not necessarily for kids. Um it just so happens it's based on a kid's book. You know what I mean? Um
0: and yeah. he's always used Bill Murray so well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I love Bill uh, Murray in Life Aquatic. I think aside from that, mate, just high fidelity, like you said. Um, like I
0: say, I think high fidelity and Hall in this, like yeah. encapsulate three different decades of the same or similar film. And yeah male perspective on a relationship yeah so like I say High Fidelity is my go to film, I've watched that film so many times to the point where my wife is like are you watching High Fidelity again you prick (laughs) didn't you watch this yesterday It's like yeah (laughs) so I just love it I love this film but it is it's having that movie that is that one that you just love that you will always go back to yeah, I mean definitely. I've got several but High Fidelity is my main one if you told me I could only take one film
1: yeah I like... think yeah I think 500 Days of Summer is going to be mine definitely it's always the one I come back to see for the longest time I wanted Summer's uh, city that he draws on her arm Yeah, I wanted that on my arm I actually was booked in to go to a tattoo artist to get that on my right arm for the longest time and at the last minute, the uh, tattoo artist had to pull out, and I couldn't rearrange it, so I never got
0: it. Um, <laughs> the tattoo artist went, "Oh, that's a bit fucking hipster, dude." Yeah, no. When actually, <laughs> sh- I've got my limits.
1: <laughs> when I sh- when I showed her, she went, "Oh, fucking rad, five hundred days of summer." I was like, "Yeah, fucking right." And then she pulled out. I think maybe in her head, she went, "Really though, <laughs> do you really want to be remembered as that guy that has the fucking the city on his arm?" I'm kind of. I'm, in a way, I'm glad I didn't get it, but at the same point, I was sitting watching it the other night, going, oh, "I wish I did get it." <laughs> I
0: See, wish I'd and... taken Five Hundred Days or High Fidelity, where well, they both got kick-ass soundtracks.
1: They do so you got the
0: music as well.
1: It's the same. It's the same as Garden State. It's got a fucking brilliant soundtrack.
0: See, the Garden State soundtrack, I never owned. It never did. I don't think it ever connected with me.
1: I still have the CD in the van. I'm old school, I've still got fucking CDs with me in my van. Uh, Why <laughs> yeah. my god. Yeah, I have I've still carry that CD with me. I think it's just it's one of them I can shove on in any sort of mood whatsoever. I mean, there's a bit of Simon and Garfunkel on there to chill out. To. There's Iron and Wine. Uh, there's fucking Imogen Heap and Fru Fru. There's fucking Coldplay, The Shins. Uh... God, who else? Uh, the Kerry Brothers. Um, yeah, fucking loads of stuff on there. Like, really, really good. But it's all really acoustic, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just a, it's a fucking Zach Braff music wet dream, to be honest. You know what I mean? He only really does stuff so that he can pick the soundtracks to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what he, he wrote into his contract in fucking Scrubs, that he got to have a, a hand in the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure his name's all over the soundtrack. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Produced yeah, by selected by. Well, let's be let's be honest. Come on,
1: fucking um, Phil. Ah, uh, oh, shit! Can't remember his name. The guy that plays uh, the guitar in season two in Scrubs.
0: Oh, the guy from um...
1: uh, Men at Work.
0: Men at Work, yeah. Yeah, uh, Phil. That's, I love that song.
1: Yeah, I can't remember his name. Phil something oh, oh Colin fucking hell idiot Phil something it's Colin Hay that's right yeah it's Colin Hay Um, yeah he's got Colin Hay like 40 actually Colin Hay's on the Garden State soundtrack as well um, but Colin Hay's in like 40 different episodes of uh, of uh, Scrubs and... Overkill that's the song uh, yeah Overkill and uh is Shins as well Shins is everywhere I think the, the entirety of the Shin's back catalogue is in Scrubs somewhere. If you just pierce them all, like, pick them out and put them all together, you'd have a whole, a whole album, you know what I mean? Well, I forgot uh, how much
0: Regina Spector's in 500 Days of Summer. I know. And I, I love know. Regina Spector. I liked Regina Spector before I saw the film, so it was like the perfect mash. It opened with that with, um, us. Yes. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to love this film.
1: <laughs> uh, they also had... Um... They clearly had Zoe Deschanel uh, in contract at some point to sing in that film as well because she, she, she does on, one of
0: the Smith songs, doesn't
1: she? She does one of the Smith songs on the soundtrack and she sings Sugartown uh, on the karaoke and she sings the little bit of the Smiths in the elevator as well. That's
0: right. But that would I, been... I love Tom murdering the pixies. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but he, um, that would have been sort of peak she and him time for her. Yeah. Probably probably would have been around sort of the first or second album coming out. So they would have had to have had her singing in the contract without a shadow of a doubt. It'd be like having Mandy Moore in a walk to remember she has to sing at some point.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> the done thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like it's rude not to. Yeah, what? exactly. Is it? uh, my kids. Well, I used to watch it as well, but Phineas and Ferb. There was a Christmas one. I can't remember whether it was Mandy Moore or Kelly Clarkson. Which like I can sing if you want. It's like no, we're good. <laughs> Brilliant. But they have oh. some great gags on that. They're bowling for soup on one. It's like hey, thanks for playing. It's like we're just happy for the gig. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing.
1: I thought that from Phineas and Ferb. That's nice.
0: I love Phineas and Ferb. (laughs) It's so wonderfully out there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I do. I do love kids' programs. One hundred percent.
0: I do. Some of them are weird, but yeah. The beauty of having kids is that you can kind of, like, you know. Yeah, it's for them. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say you got to play that angle. It's for them, (laughs) definitely. So who owns all the Phineas and Ferb DVDs in my house, though? (laughs) They're mine. yeah exactly <laughs> so I let the kids watch', them, so what more do they want <laughs> but, uh, I suppose we should recommend the graduate as well, given the hey. important role it plays in
1: <laughs> yeah definitely yeah oh God and, and cool. if you don't want
0: the end of the graduate ruined, I recommend watching it before five hundred days of summer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is actually a mistake I made. I hadn't watched the graduate. I only had the soundtrack.
0: See, I had seen the graduate, but I'd forgotten how it ended. I remember so in my mind, I always remembered it having a happy ending. See, I
1: I knew the ending, but I only knew the ending because of fucking Reeves and Mortimer parodying it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason I remember it. It was fucking Bob Mortimer standing at the top going, Reeves! <laughs> <laughs> like calling out to them and they're looking around and then them running down and running out of the church and stuff. So, yeah, See, I suppose it, technically w-
0: Waynesworld 2 ruined that for me then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it was parodied everywhere for, like, the longest time.
0: It was. Ways would have had that great thing where everybody made the son of a bitch one at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, and on that bombshell... Um, yeah. <laughs> no, cheers for doing that, man. I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you, dude. Thank you for letting me reminisce on uh, 500 Days of Summer. That's, That's right.
0: right. Oh, it's always good. So well, I knew you couldn't bring yourself to actually defend Lost in Translation. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Not no. On anyway,
1: I do, I do love it, and I can, uh, I can fight John the next time I see him. But uh, no, I couldn't defend it to the ends of the earth and back. No, no way.
0: <laughs> we should do that for like our special twenty-fifth episode of "And Why Not"? It's just you and John arguing the toss about Lost in Translation, <laughs> and I'll mediate.
1: <laughs> well, just take, um, it'll be me forcing him to watch it. I'll be what it is, and then we'll just sit. Like we'll both sit through him when it gets to certain points. He can just scrutinise them, and I can just sit up and go, "Shut up, John."
0: <laughs> we should find a place where we're all together and do a live commentary on it.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah, John. John and Tom take on Lost in Translation.
0: <laughs> Stuart tries to maintain order.
1: <laughs> Referee Stuart is is That's... in is in the house.
0: No blades, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. As if we haven't done it already. But where can people find you online?
1: <laughs> Man, this sounds like déjà vu. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was like a week ago that we did. Uh, something.
0: <laughs> um, or next week, because I'm not sure the order yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, oh yeah, that's true. Uh, uh,
0: I think this one's going to come out first, just to break up the Y comics.
1: <laughs> this is and either or one week before or after. <laughs> there you go. It was good when we spoke. Delete as applicable. <laughs> <laughs> um you can find a well you can find me on um twitter at Uramix. u-r-a-m-y-x come in say hello and chat and whatnot and
0: you know it's going to be tucker coming after you
1: <laughs> yeah it will be now i'll be like oh, all right that's it i'm coming after you you wee shit um <laughs> To be fair I I am still to watch his film that he uh, he spoke about so uh, Marathons
0: is superb. Yeah, I
1: keep uh, I keep I keep meaning to uh, I keep meaning to find it now that it's I think it's back on Netflix I can't remember. Um but yeah so you you can find me on um, Twitter at @yourix Y X, or you can get my oh sorry our <laughs> you can get our podcast on
0: no,
1: they're not here. Yeah, you can take ownership. <laughs> My podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that comic mail on Instagram and Twitter, or just give us a Google or whatever in the search engines. It should come up with our uh, Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, insert a podcast app here. <laughs> and, uh, you'll find us at, at some point um that comic smell oh also you can find me across on the comic art festival podcast doing the small pressed uh, review section so go and have a listen there as well i think they're at comic art fest pod i think
0: cool I'm right, sure double check them and we'll put them in the show notes uh, yeah awesome cheers for that man thank you dude just speak to you next week for why comics
1: Yes, and maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers, buddy.
0: And that was 500 Days of Summer. I'd like to thank Tom for coming on the episode and talking about it with me. I really enjoyed talking to him about it. Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to it too. Uh, In the meantime, you can find Tom, all the links he gave in the episode. I will put in the show notes... Uh, So go on there and check him out if you want to find him. Which just leaves me to do some basic housekeeping, which is to tell you where you can find us online. You can find the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Haunted Nerds. On Twitter, we're still under the OK True Believers Twitter handle. I might actually get around to setting up a Haunted Nerds one. I think the time might be right. Uh, On the website, we're on the True Believers website, which is oktruebelievers.com. And on Podbean, we're hauntednerds.podbean.com. If you want to find me online, for whatever reason, you can find me on Twitter as at @tokennerd. I'm on Instagram as Stuart Thinks he can draw, and I'm on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash StuartCan'tDraw. Uh, if you go on there and you like the look of what you see, you can find my two comics, Hello to Jason and Isaacs and March of the Robot Long Walk Home, from the True Believers website at oktruebelievers.com forward slash comics, where you can also buy Tales from Beyond Infinity 1 and 2, which has got some great small press creators in those anthologies, uh, so they're worth checking out if you fancy it. Uh, Or if you have the Comic House app, you can read them all for free as part of your subscription on there. Uh, They're exclusively on Comic House digitally, they're not going to be available anywhere else. And that's it for this week's episode. Join me again next week when I will be joined again again by Tom Stewart it's almost like we recorded two episodes in one night um, for Why Comics uh, where I'll be putting the big question to him but until then uh, have an awesome week ahead uh, this has been a Nose who Themselves production and I've been Stuart Moraine uh, keep watching films and keep talking about films cheers, bye